welcome to it. John Scholes here. I'm ready to go. We hope you are as well. Our good pal and employment lawyer, Lior Sanfiru, is here as well. He is uh, doing all the heavy lifting, as he does every night of the week that we're on the show together. The main topic we're going to get through in just a bit will be everything you need to know about termination of employment for cause. We've done without cause before. We're doing for cause now. That's coming up momentarily, but we always start off with the, uh, the case of the day, pal. What's going on? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here. As usual, employment law is the topic. And, you know, on Wednesdays, it's a, an extra full employment law day for me because I also do some live streams on Wednesdays. Uh, you find those on uh, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, answer a lot of questions. So uh, I want to continue that now and I want to answer even more questions this evening to make sure that you have answers to everything that may be troubling you. The thing is about employment law issues or concerns, they are never just something that's minor. It's, an, it's never just a nuisance. If something's wrong at your job because you spend so much time there, it's probably going to affect you. It's probably going to bother you. You're going to lose sleep. You're going to stress out over it. Well, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do that. There's a better way to deal with it. Uh, if it touches on your job, your work, employment law, this is the show, the only show where you can get those answers. And of course, answers is what we give here, but what I can't do on air is roll up my sleeves and actually help you solve that workplace problem. To get me to do that, you need to do something else, of course, and that is reach me in the office, call or email, we'll give you that contact information throughout the show. And let me give you an idea, case of the day, situation that came across my desk today. I spoke with a gentleman today who uh, was working for the past uh, four and a half years as a personal trainer uh, in a uh, in a gym in Toronto, actually, and uh, was recently let go. Not even sure why, simply his employers, uh, employer said, we're not going to continue working with you anymore. But here's the thing. They called him for the four and a half years that he was there, an independent contractor. So he would uh, not, he wasn't in their eyes an employee, even though he worked exclusively for them four and a half years. You know, his hours varied anywhere from 30 to 45 hours a week. Uh, and, you know, the clients were gym clients. In fact, he was even expected to cover for other personal trainers. If someone had to cancel or, or can't make it to a session, he'd step in. So, uh, but they said, no, no, you're not an employee. Therefore, we're not going to pay you any severance now that we're letting you go. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he did the right thing. And he called me today and he wanted to know, am I owed severance? Well, the answer here is, yeah, of course you're owed severance because guess what? You've been misclassified as a contractor. And this is, by the way, not uncommon with personal trainers. It's not uncommon with many others as well, but certainly with personal trainers, I've seen this happen. He worked for them. He worked exclusively for them, almost full-time hours uh, with their customers, their clients. He was their employee. They can't call him something else and make him something else by calling him that. And that's important because now that they decided to let him go, he's owed severance. He's owed right around six months severance, six months compensation. That's a lot. And given the fact that his uh, compensation went up and down, we look at an average for the last two or three years, and that's the figure that we use to calculate his severance. I'm helping him. He's already told me he wants my help. I'm going to get going on this uh, in the next day and, and help him get that severance. But I wanted to remind everyone there, whether you're a personal trainer, a hairdresser, a trucker, or any one of other dozens of positions, if you have a regular job, you are an employee. doesn't matter if your employer called you a contractor, if they think you are, if you signed a piece of paper that says you are, if you look like an employee and you act like an employee, then you have to be an employee. There's no way around that. 
And that's important, like I said here, because you have rights, such as overtime, vacation pay, and like in this case, the right to get severance. That's months and months and months of pay. So if you're not sure if you're an employee or contractor, call me. We can always chat about it. But if you're not sure, chances are you are, in fact, an employee. That brings about a good little bit of housekeeping, by the way. You want to uh, some more details even before you call the order, whether uh, you figure out whether you're a contractor or an employee, simply pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You'll see that is one of many topics that you can click on and read more about it. Having said that, you can also reach out to Lior when the uh, the show's not on, right? As you know, the phone number is uh, simple, one 821 5900 It is help at I want to get into everything you need to know about termination of employment for cause. We'll get into a short break and get right down into that list. And if we have time, some emails later on. Employment Law Show continues. Hang on. The Employment Law Show, you bet. And here we go. Everything you need to know about termination of employment for cause in between these uh, talking points. Uh, do not hesitate to call and jump on in on air with us. 416-870-6400 is how you do that. So let's get right into this, Lior, as time's ticking away. Everything you need to know about termination of employment for cause. Difference between a termination with cause and without cause. Break it down. So termination without cause, let's start with that, is the most common form of termination. A termination without cause means you're not being let go because of something horrible that you did. So pretty much any termination that's not because of something horrible is what we call termination without cause. That can be a restructuring. That can be cost-cutting. That could be, yeah, company's not happy with you, but yeah, it's not something horrible that you did. They just want to let you go. That could be a termination without cause. So generally speaking, most terminations are terminations without cause. It's perfectly legal to terminate someone without cause as long as severance is paid. So whenever we're talking about termination without cause, reason doesn't really matter, performance doesn't matter, an employer is allowed to let go of a good employee and a senior employee as long as severance is paid. The opposite, of course, is a termination for cause or termination with cause. Termination with cause can only happen if an employee is guilty of very significant misconduct. And then the company can say, what more can we do with this employee given what he or she did? We're going to let them go. And in that situation, no severance usually has to get paid. So if you've done something bad, something so terrible that it's not possible to employ you, that is what a termination for cause is. And again, no severance is paid. So did something horrible, can't employ you. Relationship is done, cause. Everything else, John, without cause and with severance. Well, if you put on your employer hat for a sec, how difficult is it for the employer to establish cause for termination? So the best way to look at a termination for cause, it's that it's uh, the capital punishment of the employment relationship. And if you think about it, who gets uh, capital punishment? Well, only the worst criminals, only criminals where they've done something terrible and, and, you know, the the crown is able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they've done it, etc. Well, it's kind of like that with respect to a termination for cause. Termination for cause, it's difficult to establish. Because not only do you have to show that the employee did something wrong, you have to show that it's so bad that there's just no opportunity to allow the employee to continue working. Uh, because the question is always going to be asked, okay, well, why couldn't you have warned him? Why couldn't you have uh, provided a, a suspension? Why is this relationship at an end? So it's very difficult. And in my experience, John, oftentimes employers try to terminate for cars or try to pull the trigger on a termination for cause before they should, before they've actually established it. And that can lead to a wrongful dismissal. 
talking about termination uh, for cause. You know, we, we've we've had calls on the air over the last ten years, Lee, or guys and women calling and saying, you know, I knocked over a skid full of uh, you know iPads and I got fired for the one thing. I've never done anything else wrong. So, examples of conduct that can be cause for demissal, they rise to that point. What do you think? So let, let's let's start with your example. Someone knocked over a skid and and damaged property, and I certainly would get an employer being upset at that and and sure. maybe even the employer saying you know what uh i i we, we may need to do something with this employee but the question is is that bad enough to be caused and the answer is no absolutely not and the reason for that is it's not like this employee you know using your your example did it on purpose it's not like you know they've had five of these incidents happen before if it's a one-off thing it's almost never going to be caused. And the highest court in the country, Supreme Court of Canada, said, no, no, if it's an isolated incident, usually it's not going to be caused, even if it's something that the employee really did mess up on. Now, the opposite of that, of course, is situations where you did something that even right off the bat, even if it's a one-time thing, it's uh, it's caused. You stole, you hit someone, you committed uh, sexual harassment, uh, you know, you bullied someone. Those potentially could be caused even if, if it's a one-time thing. Beyond that, the employer is expected to do something to build up a case, to give you warnings, to give you opportunities to improve. And if they do that and you continue doing the things you're not supposed to do, then and only then can a company maybe, maybe consider a termination for cause. But there's no skipping steps. You don't go from no cause to cause just because someone did something wrong. And you have to remember that. Uh, the fact that you did something wrong, you did, you're honest about it, you know you did something wrong, that does not mean there's cause to let you go. So if you have two employees, similar misconduct, one's a six-month employee, the other one's a you know 25-year employee, does, does the length of time employed, does that factor into the relevance, whether it's cause, whether it can be let go for cause? So it's always difficult to terminate employment for cause. Whether you work for six months or, or 26 years, it's always going to be difficult, always. But it's that much more difficult to terminate for cause the long service employee because it's assumed that if, you, if this employee's been with you for that long, he or she must be doing something right. So it would take a lot yeah. for something to happen for that employee to now be so bad that you can terminate them for cause. So always difficult to terminate for cause. Doesn't matter how long you've worked, but becomes exponentially more difficult if you had a long service with this company. So if I'm an employer and I'm thinking, okay, Leora, here I, I, I can't pull the trigger right away for one instance. So how many how many chances do I have to give an employee before it rises to the level where I can terminate for cause? So like I said, probably the smartest thing an employer can do if it wants to to build up a case for cause is to provide advanced warnings or other discipline uh, and give the employee chances to improve. And whenever I say that, just like you just asked, an employee may ask me, well, when is enough enough? How many of these warnings should I give before I can consider a termination for cause? Now, there's not a one-size-fits-all. It depends on the offense. You know, if someone is late five minutes and they do it a few times, it's going to take a lot more effort than if someone is late an hour and a half, just as an example. But as a kind of a rule of thumb, I'd like to see three uh, pieces of warning or three forms of discipline before a company terminates for cause. So you give a, a warning, you give a second warning, then you give a final warning. And then if it still happens, then maybe you're in a position to terminate for cause. 
but sometimes you need more than that. Sometimes you could do with less than that. But generally, three is a, is a good place to start. So as far as employers, again, advice you can build with respect to building up a case uh, for cause, because you mentioned, you know, steps you have to take. Is this all in writing or what do you have to do? Yeah. So for an employer, if you're going to, you know, deal with a bad performance or deal with an employee that, that's doing something wrong in the workplace, you always have to document, always document, document, document. So make sure that you have a way to show what the employee did. But if you're going to give an employee a warning, verbally is, is useless. Uh, a verbal warning does nothing because it becomes a he said, she said. So every warning has to be in writing. doesn't have to be a formal document signed by five people. An <laughs> email is just fine, right? The email is saying, this happened today, telling you you got to be careful, don't do this again. Good enough, right? So in writing, you always have to do that. Uh, be fair uh, to the employee. And if it's a performance issue, you want to be specific. Tell the employee, here's what you've done wrong. And, and here's what you can do to improve. Give the employee the opportunity to improve. So sometimes what I've seen, and, and which is completely improper, is an employer saying, uh, I'm going to, I don't know, give you a warning for your bad performance. And three days later, they terminate the employee for the bad performance. Well, wait a second. You didn't really even give them a chance to improve here. So, so that's jumping the gun as well. So be reasonable, document, and give the employee the opportunity to show that they got the message and that they could do what's required of them. So if we flip it around, what advice do you give employees if they feel that they're uh, getting a case built against them and, and, and cause maybe looming shortly? So this is very important here. You know, Usually when someone calls me and says, I think they're building a case uh, against me, Usually that's correct, okay? It's, it's rare that the employee is completely off about that. So here's what you do. If you think your employer is building a case against you, well, you got, you got to say something about it. And so you, you'll feel that they're building a case against you if they give you wa- these warnings we've talked about, put you on a performance improvement plan, give you a bad performance review. If you don't think it's justified, if you don't think your employer is being fair or objective, then say so. Write an email. Again, in writing, always, always in writing to your employer saying, employer, you, you gave me a bad performance review. You gave me a warning today. Here's why things didn't happen the way you think, or here's some information that you didn't consider. Make sure that you have that in writing. By doing that, you're going to make it very difficult for the company to let you go, uh, certainly to let you go for cause. But the most important advice is this. Unless you know that you did something terrible, Unless you know that that's what's happened. If the company says we're letting you go for cause, remember, it's almost never cause. You have to call me then. And the one thing I want you also to understand is that there's no such thing as almost cause. So if if the company has cause, then they can let you go. Uh, They don't have to pay severance in most cases. But if the company doesn't have cause, they have to pay you full severance. There's nothing in between. The company can say, well, we, okay, fine, we don't have cause, but we cannot get close to it, so we can pay less severance. No, there's no discount here. Either you get 100% or you don't get anything, but because of that, remember, chances are, if the company wants to let you go for cause or says they're letting you go for cause, it's not. And, and last thought on this is, we always talk about our pocketemploymentlawyer.ca yep. tool. We talk about it because the severance calculator is there. But we have another tool at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and that is our, our just cause tool. So if you want to know if what you did amounts to cause, use that tool. Answer a few questions, and it's going to give you an assessment. Is this cause or is this not cause? Of course, it's free and anonymous. So if you're in that situation, check it out. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. 
Uh, employer point of view with pulling cause and letting go um, eventually of an employee. The goal line is they don't have to pay severance. Is there situations where cause is warranted, but there's still severance needs to be paid? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so in some situations, even if the company has cause, some severance still has to be paid. And I'll give you an example. Generally speaking, even if there's cause, okay, you did something, the company warned you, they did everything by the book, but what you did is not willful. You didn't do it on purpose. You just weren't very good. Then in that situation, you still get severance. Not your full entitlements, your minimum entitlements. And and my favorite example, this is from uh, something that uh, I dealt with a few years ago, a forklift driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, forklift driver kept getting into I worked for a big retailer, kept getting into accidents, kind of damaging stuff. And his employer, the uh, the, the, the company there, did everything right. They gave him a warning. They gave him a second warning. And the guy just wasn't very good. I'm like, come on, man. It can't be that tough. But he kept <laughs> getting into accidents, damaging stuff. So the company rightfully eventually let him go for cause. And they didn't pay him any severance. Except because it wasn't willful misconduct. Okay? It wasn't willful. He wasn't. No one said that he's doing this on purpose. He just wasn't good. Well, in that case, he still got his minimum entitlements. And for him, that was 12 weeks of severance. He's been there for six years, so it was 12 weeks of severance. Now, his full severance, if he was entitled to it, would have been much more. It would have been eight months. But he still was owed 12 weeks severance. So even in a situation where you've done everything wrong, as long as it's not willful, you're still going to be owed some severance. Is there uh, is there a risk for employees if they let someone go for termination for cause without having their ducks in rows? It's just like, oh, sorry, we got it wrong. Come back to work, or it's not that simple. Well, no. Uh, the reality is that you're not able to kind of put the horse back in the barn once it's right. out of the barn. And the problem is, if you're being very cavalier as an employer about alleging cause, you should have known that that's not cause. Clearly, what you're trying to do there is trying to either bully the employee or trying to. Uh, find a way to avoid paying them severance, our courts don't look at that favorably. And what I mean by that is, if you're clearly making up stuff or clearly pulling the trigger on a termination for cause when you shouldn't, not only are you going to have to pay severance, we know that already, you may have to pay additional damages, bad faith damages. So a company that, that plays you know fast and loose with this idea of cause may end up having to pay a lot more than if they just terminated without cause and paid severance. So very bad idea for an employer to do that. Got to get uh, Jeffrey in line here. Jeffrey, thanks for taking the time to call. How are you? I'm good, and you? Good, sir. What's your question? So I've heard that uh, the reverse of uh, kind of like the reverse of uh, a suing a company, that if somebody leaves, uh, quits, and doesn't give proper notice, they could be sued by the company. And I was just wondering, realistically, what would be the minimum level of a type of person that a company could go after i assume they you know guys sweeping the floors what are they going to do you know he doesn't give them notice what how 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 much damage did he do to the company by you know leaving without notice you know excellent question so let me answer it so oftentimes an employment agreement may stipulate if you leave here's how much notice you have to give us if if uh the employment agreement does not say that or there's no employment agreement, then it's assumed that, that the employee is going to have to give a reasonable amount of notice. Now, uh, what is reasonable? Again, for a, for a floor sweeper, that's going to be very minimal. For someone in an executive position, that's going to be a lot more. But it's not enough for an employer to show that the employee didn't give enough notice. 
they have to show that because the employee didn't give enough notice, they lost money, and that they wouldn't have lost this money if the employee had given proper notice. So let's say I, I'm required to give my employee, pursuant to my employment agreement, six weeks notice. And I don't. I just give them a week. If the employer can show that because I only gave a week, they lost something financially that they wouldn't have lost otherwise, then they can go after me for that loss. The reality is that's very difficult to do and it's very rare. So it's, you know, maybe, you know, I, I've seen maybe once every five years a case where an employer goes after an employee for improper notice, but in theory it is possible. So I have a, let's say I have a customer service person working for me. She answers the phone. She keys in orders. If she leaves without notice, I got to do more work or another person in the office has to go do more work. But really, if we don't enter the orders or answer the phones, it's not really not her fault. So that kind of thing, there's no real monetary damage, right? Well, he, he, here's what the damage could be. I'll give you an example. So let's say you have to now get someone else to do it. If you have to pay that person overtime that you wouldn't have otherwise had to pay, so you've lost money, then maybe. You know what I mean? So that's the okay. type of stuff that we're looking at. Right. Uh, okay. But ultimately, it probably wouldn't make sense from a financial standpoint to pursue it. Jeffrey, appreciate that uh, that question, pal. We're just about ready to wrap it for a night, but again, I want to make sure you guys have the appropriate phone numbers and everything to reach Lior. And we're back in here tomorrow anyway, so if you didn't get a chance to call in, you can always do so. That is 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We've talked about it three times tonight so far, so check it out for yourself. It's a beauty. It's called Pocket Employment Lawyer.ca. Back in tomorrow, 6.30 with the Thursday edition of the Employment Law Show. Take care.